The Daily Tap is live for Tuesday. It is January 24th. Aaron Rodgers' trade rumors keep coming. What to make of that? Also, ranking potential Rodgers trade destinations. Joe Barry is officially safe. What that means for the Packers next season. Golden Kegs from the Bucks' big win against the Detroit Pistons. Maybe a little bit of a preview of Bucks Nuggets. And then we will do Wisconsin Bracketology with UWM included. Uh, we'll have UWM, we'll have Wisconsin, we'll have Marquette, of course. And um, we'll go through all of the hypothetical situations that we are seeing right now. Uh, just a reminder, we are not podcasting tomorrow. We'll be back on Thursday with another edition of Keg Jams. We haven't done Keg Jams in about a month. It's, we're kind of a monthly show uh, where we bring together sports and music it's a great thing that we do with our guy, Shea Ken, so I'm happy to chop it up with him again. Then we'll have Mitch on Friday's show, so it'll be a guest-laden. So this is my last actual podcast, me just talking to you guys. I hope that's okay with you. I, I do like the one-to-one, but it's nice to have the guest. It's nice to you know kind of have a little bit of time back, so I hope the four-day-a-week schedule is treating you all right, and if it isn't, please reach out. Uh, let me know. Um, I'm happy to take any sort of feedback in internally. Um, and that's a good reminder that you could give that feedback on social media. Uh, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. Uh, we also are on Apple and Spotify. I assume that you're already subscribed. If you are, leave that rating, leave that review. We'd appreciate it. If you're not, you can certainly subscribe. You can also subscribe wherever else you get your podcasts. All right, let's dig in and let's talk about the Aaron Rodgers trade rumors. So I talked a little bit about Aaron Rodgers and potential trades yeah, on yesterday's show. It was part of a small segment I did about questions after the divisional round. I talked about Adam Schefter and saying how Adam Schefter really sort of was the genesis, the catalyst of a lot of the rumors back in 2021 when things were kind of unfounded to be true. And I spoke on why sort of Schefter is not a guy that I really trust. And you might have remembered when this first kind of started to bubble last week and weeks prior, I said Ian Rapport and Jay Glazer are the type of guys that I start really taking things seriously. And when Ian Rapport was on Pat McAfee's show yesterday, Pat McAfee, friend of Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers scheduled to appear on McAfee today. So that would be very interesting. And that might actually mean I have to podcast tomorrow, which if I do, I will just say, we have a plan for this. I have a plan for this. Um, so I, I'm ready and willing. It would be just a reaction to Rodgers on McAfee. It would, that's the whole podcast. It would probably be anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes. It'd be very short. It'd be quick. So if that does happen, you might see your boy tomorrow if I feel like it is worth talking about versus, you know, what I'll be chopping it up with Shannon the next day or Mitch the following day. So we'll just wait and see on that. But just a little thing that I'm not like going to go away. I'm not going to just completely ignore what's happening in the world. Like if the world's on fire and we need to talk, like, yes, we're getting on. I'm not going to call it an emergency pod because that term has been way overused. When we're doing emergency pods for a fucking Rui Hachimura trade, we've gone too far with emergency pods, okay? Uh, just a little PSA for the people. Anyways, back to trades in, in the sport of football. So Ian Rappaport was on McAfee and basically said, look, if the package is right, if the deal is right, they might trade Aaron Rodgers. Peter King basically reiterated some points that Adam Schefter made and talked about how Woody Johnson is desperate 
to have that franchise quarterback in it. He's been looking for that franchise quarterback since Joe Namath and floats the Jets out there. And it really seems like everybody is putting Rodgers in a Jets uniform. I'm surprised PFT Commenter has not put a Jets uniform on Aaron Rodgers himself at this point because it feels like that is the true destination of Aaron Rodgers, which is really interesting. And now I have to acknowledge what's going on here. It feels like the Green Bay Packers are asking teams to come make them an offer, to have their offer ready in the month of March, and then Green Bay will figure it out, and they will work with Aaron Rodgers on a trade. That is the vibe that I am getting currently. Now, we will see what Rodgers says today. Obviously, things could change, right? Things that things could shift, right? What if Rodgers says, look, I'm committed to be a Green Bay Packer. I'm talking with Matt LaFleur. I'm talking with Brian Gunacous. I'm figuring out what's going on in the draft. They're informing me. They're keeping me updated. I've made it clear who I want back. If they don't agree with that, it's going to suck, but I'm going to figure out a way to work through that with them and figure out guys that I would like to play with or something like that. It could happen. But it also could be Green Bay is ready to go to Jordan Love and they are ready to pull the trigger. It is a scary trigger to pull. It is a terrifying move to make. Because if Brian Gunacous trades away Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers goes on to win a Super Bowl with the New York Jets, which is not like, I mean, I shouldn't say it's, it's not impossible, right? I do think it's really challenging in the AFC right now to win a Super Bowl. I think it is extremely hard in the AFC. I don't think Rodgers personally would want to go to the AFC, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that when we start ranking options and thinking through potential destinations for Aaron Rodgers. I think he would like to stay in the NFC, but I don't think the Green Bay Packers are going to allow that to happen. I've told this story before, but it's bears repeating today as the rumors keep growing and keep getting larger and larger. Brett Favre thought he was going to go to Tampa Bay. Uh, they thought the Packers were going to trade Brett Favre to Tampa Bay. Brett Favre had told Bus Cook he's going to Tampa Bay. Bus Cook had also said to him, hey, you're going to Tampa Bay. And then last minute, according to Favre, now granted, Favre, not the most trustworthy person as we learned in 2021, or 2022, excuse me, it, he got traded to New York out of the blue. So, and I think Rodgers has a full no trade. I'm pretty sure he does. So I, I don't think that's that can happen this time around. It's Aaron Rodgers is going to have to endorse a trade wherever it may be. But I do think it's hard to pass up New York City because of all the attention, all the bright lights, the glitz and the glamour. Aaron Rodgers would have fun with that. The quotes would be out of this world. He would be embraced by the New York media and then spit out. I I guarantee you. I I think the New York media and Aaron Rodgers would be pretty damn ugly. I'm not going to lie to you. Aaron Rodgers has been coddled for the most part by the Green Bay media and the Milwaukee media because they're they're nice people, right? They don't want to step on a lot of eggshells and they will come to the defense every now and again of the quarterback or, you know, you have Bill Huber's article the other day calling people clickbait whores for Rodgers' MVP comment, which Huber was right. He nailed it on the head. But I don't know if you see that from a lot of local journalists. I, I just don't. And that's not a critique of Huber. I like Huber's work. I think Huber does a good job. Uh, I had a buddy of mine who's like, oh, he's a pinhead. I'm like, I don't think so, man. I I, I don't know where that smoke for Bill Huber's coming from. I think he's, he's just a good old dude. Anyways, here nor there, uh, I just, I could see Rodgers and the Jets really sort of being a struggle. And so with these trade rumors just 
humming along. It's hard. It's hard to ignore it at this point. It's hard to just say, "All right, yeah, we'll block out the noise. We'll see what happens in the months to come. We'll wait till March because it actually feels like Green Bay is trying to get out there without openly saying it. Have your deals ready. Have your deals ready to go." And we'll make a move to trade Rodgers. Similar to what we saw with Seattle and Denver right as the NFL New Year started. Russell Wilson gets traded to the Denver Broncos from the Seattle Seahawks. So where will Rodgers go is the question. And that's going to be a topic that everybody talks about from now until March. And if it goes longer, goes closer to the draft, it will keep coming up. It will keep being part of the conversation. Aaron Rodgers, as Mitch has pointed out on Tapping the Keg podcast before, has reached a level of he is always talked about. He is always in the stratosphere. First take led with Aaron Rodgers the other day, and Aaron Rodgers is not even playing in the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers at this point might be a bigger headline than some of the things happening in the NFL playoffs where games are actually being played. First of all, it's because we are a real housewives culture where we love the fucking drama. Like everything is a Bravo reality show. And the NFL has tried to gear themselves more to the NBA when they really don't need to. But it's it does well engagement wise. It does good for viewerships. So they get that sort of attention. That's the clickbait whore thing that we talked about with Huber just a second ago. So that that's part of the reason why they do it. And that's why Aaron Rodgers continues to be in that stratosphere. Brady's going to get talked about a lot today for his comments of, if I knew what I was doing, I would fucking do it. And really condescending. Like, Brady, I, I don't know how anyone can look at Tom Brady and defend what, what his actions. Like, he's, he's sounds more of a prick than Rodgers. Like, I think you could make a real case that Brady is more of an asshole right now than Aaron Rodgers. But we'll see. Maybe Rodgers will try to one-up him today on McAfee. We'll, we'll just we'll have to wait and, and watch the show. But where could Aaron Rodgers go? I think obviously the Jets are the first team and it's been talked about at great length. And it, it should also be clear, every team we talk about, a first round pick is going to have to be given to the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers are going to get a first round pick for Aaron Rodgers. Let's just be very, very clear about that. They are getting a first round pick, okay? Like that, is, there's no questions asked about that. They are not leaving without a first round pick for Aaron Rodgers. And I know a lot of people are like, well, conditional second, you know, something like that, or, you know, a third or a couple other things. No, no, no. We're getting a first. Matt Stafford got a first. Russell Wilson got first. Aaron Rodgers is going to get first. And you're like, Aaron Rodgers is older. It's like, no, no, no. Aaron Rodgers is a two-time MVP in the last three years. Aaron Rodgers is worth the first round pick. His contract is actually team-friendly to the other teams. And that's just more proof on why the cap isn't real and the cap is completely fake because somehow for another team, it's not as much of a burden to have Aaron Rodgers on your roster. So therein lies why a first-round pick is going to come to the Green Bay Packers. I would imagine that if Aaron says to Green Bay, I want to be traded to an NFC team, that package is going to have to be larger because Green Bay is not giving him to an NFC rival unless the package is astronomical. Could I see the Carolina Panthers doing something like that? Absolutely. Whoever their coach may be, and that will be something to monitor. If Carolina gets an offensive coach and maybe there is a tinge of relationship with Aaron Rodgers, that should send immediate red flags. Remember, Denver tried to do this with Nathaniel Hackett. It did not end up working. They got Russell Wilson instead. It was a complete disaster. I do think Carolina will learn some of that lesson and not try to make this a package deal that doesn't even exist. 
I think the New York Jets are definitely going to be on the table. I think they're going to be really in the conversation. I can see the Jets-Packer deal. It's easy, right? You give up the 13th pick if you're the Jets. Maybe you throw in Elijah Moore. You throw in a third or a fourth, and I think that deal's done. I think that deal happens. And maybe a first for a conditional second next year that vests into a into a first if Jets make the playoffs or something like that, or a certain amount of snaps for Aaron Rodgers. I think that's kind of the route that you could see them going. I think you're going to have the Vegas Raiders involved now. King, Peter King also noted that Tom Brady might try to get there first, and I would imagine they're going to go Brady over Rodgers if they had a choice because of Josh McDaniels. If they have a choice to sign Tom Brady or trade for Aaron Rodgers, they would rather have Tom Brady, even though Devontae Adams, I'm sure, would bang on the table for Aaron Rodgers. And he says he's going to try to have an involvement with the quarterback. Whatever that means, I'm not sure. And I don't know if Josh McDaniels gives a shit. I think the Miami Dolphins might be involved, right? The Dolphins seem more like a Brady spot because it might be a one-year stopgap and where they say, all right, we're going to, Tua needs a year off. And then Tua will go back to work, right? And will they would they just do one year of Aaron Rodgers and then look to move Tua? I don't know. I, I'm unsure on that. I, I could see I could see Miami making that that choice, right? But I also could see Brady making a ton more sense there. Uh, the Mike McDaniel relate the Mike McDaniel stuff. Maybe that works more for Rodgers. I think Mike McDaniel and Rodgers would have a great relationship, given the fact that Mike McDaniel is such a big Matt Lafleur guy. I think that would all sort of work out. Also, the Florida part of it, like Rodgers, not a conservative, but certainly not a liberal. I I wonder if the politics play a part in it. I know Woody Johnson was a Trump guy, right? He uh, was invite, I believe, an ambassador for Trump. But also the New York media is very, very liberal. And so I do wonder if that plays into any of Rogers' maybe declines, right? Would he decline to go to New York because of that reason? Would he decline to go to this place like Seattle, who's also very liberal? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's something Rogers is even thinking about. Again, he's not a conservative, but he's certainly not a liberal. He's more of a libertarian, um, which is probably the worst way to live, honestly. Uh, but anyways, uh, no, shout out to those guys. Anyone can be whatever they want politically. I think there are going to be a lot of suitors at the table, and I've only mentioned a few. I mean, you could the New York, could the New England Patriots get involved? Could the Patriots say, look, we need to get back to what we are doing? Would I think Rodgers and Belichick be one of the worst relationships humanly possible? Absolutely. That would be like Kim and Kanye getting together. You'd be like, how is this How is this going to work? Like, this doesn't make sense. Like, it does not make sense at all. How is this going to actually work out? Now, Kim and Kanye had kids and, you know, it, it went off the rails at some point, but it was good for a couple of years. So maybe Rodgers and Belichick could hold it together. I would be stunned. If the Patriots, like, honestly, like that one would surprise the shit out of me. Seattle actually would too, because I just think with John Schneider, I don't see John Schneider doing that. I really don't. I don't think John Schneider is going to move him to Seattle. I I just cannot imagine that. I could see the Saints, but again, do you really want to give, put Rodgers inside the NFC? Rodgers in New Orleans, he would get protection in terms of playing in a dome in eight straight games. Like, I think that would help. Eight eight home games, that is. Like, and and Tampa. I mean, Tampa, I don't think would happen. I think he does. I don't think he'd want to follow, like, Tom's legacy. And again, there was a budding rivalry, if you will, with Tampa and Green Bay. 
Dallas, absolutely not. I saw some of that too, and it's like I, I think Mike McCarthy and him are friendly again, but I don't think he wants to be coached by Mike McCarthy again. Like no way, right? And Dallas and Green Bay, maybe the teams don't like, maybe the teams like feel nothing towards each other, but the front offices, I mean, there's a lot of deep seated stuff there. Like that's like two original six teams trading with each other in hockey. I, you just it, it just wouldn't happen. Like a like a massive rivalry, like. That's just, it's not a rivalry every year sort of thing, but it is a big fucking rivalry. And that would be weird to let Aaron Rodgers go there. So we'll have to see where this all ends up. We have a long way to go. Even though I have tried to stay away from it, it seems more and more like we're heading towards a Rodgers trade than Rodgers staying here. Now Rodgers could talk to McAfee today and maybe I feel differently. But I have moved my chips more to the Rodgers trade aisle. I've never been in the retirement aisle, but I've now moved it more into the trade aisle. And at some point here, I'm going to probably have to make peace with Aaron Rodgers not being behind center of the Green Bay Packers next season. Staying with the Green Bay Packers, uh, Matt LaFleur is keeping Joe Barry. Uh, Joe Barry is keeping his job. Uh, Rob Domoski had a report out basically saying like if the Packers were going to make a move, they needed to do it now. The reason why Jerry Gray is interviewing around is because Jerry Gray currently doesn't have a contract with the Packers. I think it would be stupid to not have Jerry Gray back with Green Bay. I think Jerry Gray was one of the reasons why Jair Alexander had sort of the came on strong at the end of the year. I and Darnell Savage, you know, kind of kept his mentals right. Like Darnell Savage could have completely punted this season, and then he responded nicely at the end of the year. So I think you have to bring Jerry Gray back. I understand if Jerry Gray gets a promotion somewhere else, God bless him. Like he deserves that. And he's been in the league in the league a long time. So if Jerry Gray can get more money and get a better job, I'm not going to fault him, but they need to bring him back. They call him OG in the locker room and I think bringing him back would be wise. I don't see why he wouldn't when secondary is pretty good. And would you really trust, like, if they brought Aubrey Pleasant, right, who's in their offensive coaching room, he was the DB's, core, the DB's coach for the Lions before getting let go. Like, I would be really hesitant to do that. I, I just would. And I understand if he's a Matt LaFleur buddy, but we've went down that road before, and here we are with Joe Barry. And I just, I think Matt LaFleur is risking his job. I really do. Because if Green Bay goes with love. I do think that there's going to be a two-year grace period, right? I think at least you have one year with love and LaFleur, but maybe, and maybe you have that, and then that's it. Like the NFL, it's short, right? If LaFleur misses the playoffs for two straight years, Green Bay fans are going to expect you get back to the postseason or your ass will be directly on the hot seat, and maybe you fire Joe Barry after that. But I do think Matt LaFleur is chancing his job by keeping Joe Barry. I think that they would be much better off with a fresh face, a fresh sort of energy in the defensive side of, of the team. Because Joe Barry, yes, they succeeded the last five weeks of the season, but they were not playing juggernaut offenses. Yes, they did very well against that Detroit team, and they deserve credit for that. But that was kind of it, right? Miami, to his brains, was scrambled in the second half. Like, it's really hard for me to be like, oh, yeah, look what they did against the Dolphins. And it's like, two of us can cuss in that second half, man. Like, you can't really put a ton of eggs in that basket. And the Minnesota Vikings 
were frauds all year. And the, and the Packers were just another team to kind of prove out that theory that the Minnesota Vikings weren't very good at football. And then you have the Rams and the Bears, which were two of the worst teams in, in the NFL last season. So why does Joe Barry get the credit there? Yes, Joe Barry fixed some things. Yes, Joe Barry let Jair Alexander cook. But I still have my concerns. And I just, I need, I, I kind of need the reassurance. And I, I'm Joe Barry's kind of out of excuses. I can't make any more excuses for Joe Barry. I wanted Joe Barry gone after the Philadelphia game and he's still here. And he's going to be here for another year. So I'm probably done bitching about Joe Barry. I know that, that seems hard to believe because I've done it a lot. But I, I don't know, there's nothing left to, there's nothing left to say. It's out the window. Because Joe Barry doesn't, he seems to have free reign. And it seems like it's going to take another bad year for Green Bay to get rid of him. And we talked about this back in October, that Green Bay is way too reactive. They do not do a good job of proactively making moves and seeing the move one step ahead. It always feels like they're one step behind. And this is yet another example. Maybe Joe Barry will prove me wrong. Maybe Green Bay will actually have a pretty good defense. And the combination of what Barry did at the end of the year, purse offseason work and figuring out why things went off the rails, maybe the Packers do become a top 10 defense. But I am extremely dubious of that. I do not. I will believe it when I fucking see it with this Packer defense. And it has to be, you know, four or five straight games. And it has to not show cracks. And I will understand if injuries happen i get that right but if as long as they stay healthy and they look good maybe i'll be a believer by week six or week eight but it's going to take some time i'm not going to put all my eggs in the the basket with this defense again i learned my lesson last season i am not going to get fooled again by this packer defense and i beg you to be the same because i i don't think i don't think any of us should have a ton of it's not to say they have a ton of faith because they have a lot of talented players, but it's just let's all take it one step at a time with this defense. And I think that was the lesson learned from last season. We'll see what Joe Barry can do. I am not a fan of this move. And I, I really do think it could hurt LaFleur in the long run because it looks like a guy who just can't fire his friend. One of the things that I would just advise to Joe Barry for next season is look at what Cincinnati does. Lou Amoreno, uh, the, the Cincinnati Bengals defensive coordinator, who should be getting head coaching interviews all over the place, does such a good job in disguising coverages and disguising what they're going to do. He is an absolute master at that. He's learned how to rush three and be successful with it. He befuddled Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes in back-to-back playoff years. He deserves a ton of credit for that. And that should be the guy that everybody sells. That's the guy that you should be learning from right now. And if I were the Packers and I need a cornerbacks coach, maybe you look for somebody on that Cincinnati staff to help work with Joe Barry and figure out what is Cincinnati doing and how can we bring it to the NFC? Because you don't have to worry about that Bengals defense when it comes playoff time. Maybe in the Super Bowl, yes, but you won't have to worry about them in the playoffs. And that's something that I would really hone in on if I'm Joe Barry and want to try to improve what I've what I kind of ended the season with, and we'll just we'll just have to see. But it goes back to you know making the making that proactive decision, and I, I just don't think Green Bay did this. I will I will be angry about Joe Barry, but I think I've said my piece as I, as they would say in The Sopranos, 
And I'm done bitching about Barry. Let's do Golden Kegs from the Bucks' big win against the Detroit Pistons. If you're unfamiliar with Golden Kegs, it is where we give out three, two, and one keg based on performance. Best being a three keg, one keg being the worst. Uh, it is a, we're trying to make it an every game segment when we can. Uh, the Bucks had a great win tonight in Detroit. Um, they were dominant from the start. They had a 49-point first quarter, and they were in cruise control the entire game. They looked really good. They looked like a team that was not here to fuck around. Uh, as I said on the review, uh, you can watch that on Tabby the Keg on Twitter, Tabby the Keg Sports on Instagram or TikTok. They're not here to fuck around right now. That was like Bobby Knight style. Like, we're not here to fuck around. You might be, but we're not. And... The Bucs were excellent in this game, and I was very impressed with how they all just came out with a little bit of piss and vinegar with a hapless Detroit team. Like, you could have easily let Detroit hang around, let Detroit sort of be there at the end, and oh, close loss, close win against Detroit. No, none of that happened. The Bucs took full advantage of that Pistons team. So let's hand out some golden kegs. Three keg goes to Giannis Antetokounmpo, 29 points, 12 rebounds. He also had two threes. Uh, Giannis had 20 of those in the first quarter. Again, a massive statement from the Bucs to kind of be like, all right, we are here and we're back and this is our league and we are ready to take it over. And the Celtics also lost to the Orlando Magic again on Monday night. So that is a big win for the Bucs. They gain a full game on the Boston Celtics and Giannis was a huge catalyst for that and really drove home the point and was was really good the rest of the game like I know he didn't score a ton but it still was nice to have Giannis out there I think after he had sort of had his surge in the first quarter he was able to lay off and knew he didn't need to exert a ton of that energy the rest of the way and that's good and to get Giannis kind of on cruise control in game one is really important because you have a big game against Denver on Wednesday night uh, you have Indiana on Friday. Indiana's a little struggling right now, but still was proven to be a tough opponent when the Bucks didn't have their guys. We'll see if we'll see how that changes with everybody on Friday. But yes, great game from Giannis. A really good one. Two kegs goes to Bobby Portis. Uh, 18 points and 10 rebounds. Only on 12 shots. Now, Bobby did go down with an injury. Hopefully, he's okay. Uh, it was a foot injury. You hope nothing serious there. You hope Bobby is able to come back. It would be very much the Bucks season if Bobby went out with an injury right after everybody came back. And then there you go. You have to reset the deck yet again and try to replace injured guys. But I do want to speak on what I've seen from Bobby Portis the last two games because it feels like something has changed. It feels like he's kind of fixed his shot a little bit. He was two or three from beyond the arc. He also kept his shots in check, only shooting the ball 12 times. Now, is this the Chris Middleton effect? Is this a little bit of Chris Middleton? Is this a little bit of playing a little more with Joe Ingles where Bobby doesn't feel like he has to do as much as he did earlier this season. So he's kind of going back to what Bobby Portis was for the first part of his career as a Milwaukee Buck. I, I'm tending to lean that way. I realized yesterday or Saturday he still kind of had to be one of the catalysts, but it's something to watch. Uh, the fact that his three-point shot is finally kind of going in, whether he reworked something, whether he ignored something lethal shooter told him, and all of a sudden it is working again for Bobby Portis, it is great. And I will take it night in, night out from him. 12, 18 points, 10 rebounds on 12 shots. I think you'll take any day of the week. 
Now, is he still a turnstile on defense? Yes, it's still terrible from Portis, and that has to get better. But I'll take everything else, okay? So hopefully that foot's okay. Uh, you'd hate to lose Bobby, especially in a game against Denver where I think you're, the big men are, are going to be needed. Uh, but maybe it's a one game off and Bobby's back at it on Friday or two off and back at it on Sunday. But yes, a two keg for Mr. Portis. Bonus two keg, we're not gonna do a one keg. There's no one keg. No one really played bad in this game. Like I, I can't really be like, oh yeah, just because... Connaughton and Allen didn't really score much. They inherently played bad games. I, I don't I don't think there was it. I mean, if you wanted a one keg, Bucks Twitter is all up in arms that Marshawn Bochamp did not get playing time over Jordan Nora. I saw a fun conspiracy theory that Nora basically, basically is getting time because the Bucks are showcasing Nora and want to keep sort of Bochamp quiet. Like they don't want teams to know about Bochamp like they they want to be and so when they're asked like hey what's up with Bochamp it's like oh he's not ready to be an NBA player yet like we're thinking like totally throwing people off the scent it is a worthwhile comparison that I'm into and Jordan Nora played 14 minutes I guess you could one keg Jordan Jordan Nora like if you look at it he had four points four rebounds four assists he missed all four three point three point attempts but yeah, it's hard for Allen or Conson who played 23 and 26 minutes combined. Even though they didn't score much, they still had sky high plus minuses. So you have to you have to consider that. But yes, the two keg bonus two keg goes to Javon Carter. Uh, six threes in this one, 18 points. Uh, he was really solid. He also had three assists, three steals, uh, and just was really feeling it from the outside. But I have a message for Javon Carter. Let's see this now against a good team. Let's see this against Denver. So I I just have to wonder, like, is Javon Carter, is this like the best case scenario for Javon Carter? Can Javon Carter play on a bad team, get buckets, but when the lights are bright, is that just not there for him? I do, I do wonder that a little bit. Like, will Javon Carter find himself in a trade? You know, is that possible? Is that some guy you put on the table because horse can sell the idea of, look, this guy can play with bad teams. Like your team's tanking. Like he's a great, you know, guy that can score buckets for you guys. You know, pr- produce and but also when you play good teams, you just you don't have it. And that sounds like the perfect kind of tanking guard. And I just wonder, is that Javon Carter? And I just need to see it. I need to see it against a good team. Like I, I know I'm not trying to be critical. Like it was a great game. He had 18 points, but. Name your favorite Javon Carter game log against a good team. Against Toronto earlier this week, or last week, he played seven minutes. There was nobody there. He played seven minutes. He played 11 against Indiana. He did have 18 against Miami. I'll give him credit, but six of 16. Like, he shot 14 three-pointers to get 18 points. So that that's an awful game. I am not gonna, I'm definitely not going to count that. The Atlanta game, the Atlanta game's nice, like 13 points off the bench in 22 minutes, seven made threes, but all of his shots, three-pointers, did not take anything to the lane. The New York game was abysmal. Uh, the other Toronto game was abysmal. I'm, try, I'm looking at big teams. Boston, he only had seven points on Christmas Day in 13 minutes. Pretty rough, rough outing. Rough outing against Chicago. Brooklyn was a rough outing. New Orleans, he only had eight on eight shots. That's that's tough. Yeah, Golden State, four points um, in 28 minutes. 
Like, yeah, there there are not a lot of good stat lines when you look at Javon Carter against like playoff or near playoff teams. So I just I just hope that 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 guy can find the confidence when when the lights are brightest, and that I'm a little worried that he can't. And that's a concern. And if if the Bucks are concerned about that, it would not surprise me if Javon Carter did get moved. Now we won't be doing a podcast tomorrow unless Aaron Rodgers says some crazy shit. So. Bucks Nuggets on Wednesday night. Uh, that should be an absolute banger of a game. Definitely one if you have the chance to get down to the Pfizer Forum or you're invited to it. Like that's a almost must go, right? Um, it, it's Jokic, it's Giannis. Jokic did have a hamstring injury. Um, they didn't play on Sunday night, but I doubt that we will be robbed. Jokic. Um, he has a lot of Serbian fans. I had to call buddies who went to the Jokic Giannis game last year. And they're like, I couldn't believe how many Serbs were here. Like it was just wall to wall uh, for Jokic. So I would imagine that he would get the same type of treatment on Wednesday night. The Nuggets are not in action. Oh no, they are. They 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 have some well, quite the travel here. So they go to play the Pels on Tuesday night, and then on Wednesday they play the Bucks. So they'll be on a second game of a back to back. Whether that matters or not, I'm not sure. But yes, Giannis and Jokic should be. Very fun. Uh, the Bucks have struggled against the Nuggets. Uh, Jokic has had some big, big games, so it'll be imperative that the Bucks slow down Jokic. I do wonder if Giannis is going to try to make a kind of make a statement here. Um, I don't know if you can really put Giannis in that MVP conversation after missing five straight games, but I, I don't know. I, he might be missed too many games to really qualify. I know Giannis does not give a shit about MVPs, um, but. I really don't think Jokic should get rewarded with a third straight MVP. I realize he's doing some crazy shit, but yeah, I'm not I'm not about it. The Bucks, let's see, have when's the last time they won at the Fiserv? It's been a while. Last time the Bucks won at the Fiserv was 2018 in a 104-98 game. Jokic did play in that game. It was a young Jokic. He had 25 and 5. Um, but and Jamal Murray had 17. Like that was the just the beginning. The Gary Harris, Paul Millsap, Juan Hernan Gomez era Nuggets. Uh, but that was the last Bucks victory. And you had Brogdon, Bledsoe, Middleton starting in that one. Giannis had a great had I wouldn't say a great game. 29 points on 25 shots. Uh, played almost played 40 minutes in that game. Jesus, was that Jason Kidd? That might have been Jason Kidd. Uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, the Bucks did win that game and were victorious against the Nuggets. But that's the last time they've won at the Pfizer Forum. So, and uh, was, yeah, I, I think the Pfizer Forum was around. I don't think that was Bradley Center. I'd have to I'd have to look. But yeah, the Nuggets have had the Bucks number um, in the past. So hopefully the Bucks can get it done on Wednesday night and start to, and kind of keep, keep the winning ways going, right? This would be their, they beat Denver. This would be that, that'd be their fourth win in the last five games. So just have to see. We will react to that one, Shannon and I, on Cake Jams on on Thursday. So we stay tuned for that, and we will certainly get into much more of the Giannis Jokic discussion. All right, let's move on to Wisconsin bracketology. Uh, Wisconsin bracketology is something that we do every week. We take a look at the brackets. We talk about hypothetical situations for each of the teams. Um, we have three now. So it was just Marquette and Wisconsin. UWM or Milwaukee is added to the mix as well. Um, they are currently the automatic qualifier for the Horizon League 
after their big win against Youngstown State last week. We, as the Tapping the Keg crew, will be on the floor for the game against Detroit next Thursday night. Um, we are very excited. Uh, it should be a fun-ass night. Like We're really looking forward to it. Um, if you guys want to get tickets, you guys want to hang with us, I uh, would love that. Um, we're probably going to go watch Lakers Bucks somewhere after. Maybe who's on third. Um, haven't decided just quite yet. Um, that's That will still be in the works. But yeah, Lakers Bucks at 9 o'clock. So basically you'll go from UWM Detroit, which should be a banger of a game. Like that'll be in the 80s. Antoine Davis trying to bake Pete Maravich's record. Also LeBron could potentially break uh, Kareem's record against Milwaukee. And I'm sure Kareem will be there. Uh, which Kareem, I'm, I'm not a huge, like I don't really recognize a lot of Kareem in Milwaukee because guy didn't want to be here. Guy was basically a popular Gary Sheffield uh, for that matter. But yes, a lot's happening. Um, so that's, I think, next Thursday night against Detroit. So we are talking about Milwaukee as well. But we will start Marquette as they are the top of the table in terms of Wisconsin sports and Wisconsin bracketology. Not necessarily Wisconsin sports. Although I do I do have a take with Mitch that I want to present to him about Marquette. I'll, I'll save it for the rest of the week. But I have, a, I have an interesting take. I think Mitch is going to laugh at me and throw it back in my face. But I'm at least going to try to introduce this take to him. Um, so we'll see We'll see how that goes. Maybe I'll come up with a segment for it. Marquette's at number four. I'm also using Jerry Palm and a, and a Bracketville. Um, it's one of the brackets in Bracket Matrix. Uh, the reason why I'm using Bracketville instead of Joel Lenardi is Joel Lenardi hasn't had a bracket since the 20th. Uh, lazy stuff from Joe, but he did get hacked, so maybe maybe that's part part of the reason why we do not have a bracket from the guy they call Joey Brackets. I feel like if your name's Joey Brackets, you probably should get a bracket out every fucking day. But what do what do I know? Am I right? Anyways, Marquette is a four, according to Jerry Palm, playing Liberty. Uh, they would play the winner of Baylor or VCU in Orlando if they were to win. They would go to Massing Square Garden to play Kansas State, assuming Kansas State as the number one seed wins. Few things here. First of all, Orlando, I think that's one of the premier spots for Marquette, um, just given the fact they have some snowbirds, some old alum. It's an easy travel. Chicago to Orlando, I mean, that's an easy trip for everybody, right? Um, Milwaukee to Orlando too. Um, so I think Orlando is one of the premier destinations and would be a large Marquette contingent. Against Liberty, it'd be very interesting because Liberty plays a very slow, methodical style of basketball. So for Marquette, it'd be a very much a contrast of styles. I don't think it's a game that you could just count as a, an easy win. Um, Liberty has been in postseason play before. They know what it takes to to you know be be a factor and would definitely not be a team that I would be excited to play if I were Marquette. Um, and then Baylor VCU in the second round, do you have the Shock Smart rematch with his old club VCU or the Baylor Marquette rematch after Marquette pants Baylor earlier this season? I have a feeling if Marquette and Baylor were to meet again, Baylor would be out looking for some revenge. And that actually would worry me. And in the Brackville bracket, they have Marquette playing uh, Southern Illinois uh, in the first round again would be a contrast of styles. Southern Illinois plays a very slow style basketball. BJ Mullins, um, by the way, former Ohio State big man is the coach of Southern Illinois. He's doing a fantastic job in the Missouri Valley. Uh, they would play the winner of Marquette and Kent, or of Kent State and Baylor. So Baylor shows up again. 
Um, by the way, if it was Kent State Marquette, that game might be the over under might be set at one seventy. Kent State plays so fast. First of all, Kent State Baylor would be a great fucking game. Like that'd be an awesome game to watch. Um, but yes, Kent State um, it could be a sneaky twelve seed uh, if that were the case. And if they were to win, they'd advance to Louisville and potentially play Purdue, who is the top seed in that bracket. So that'd be rematch. That'd be the rematch pod, if you will, uh, with two games against Marquette non-conference opponents. I really hope that doesn't happen. I understand that there are situations that you can't avoid. The committee should really try hard not to have that happen to Marquette, and where. If they win their first game, they play Baylor, a team they've already played, and then play Purdue, a team they already played. That doesn't feel fair to me. And maybe it's this guy who's kind of made a made a little bit of a mistake, right? Brackettville, Dave, maybe, maybe there's something to that, right? Maybe that there is something to the fact that, okay, what where where does this go? And maybe that's just just a little bit of a not actually on the table. The other thing that I want to consider and throw out to everyone is the fact Marquette has struggled in the past at Madison Square Garden. Now, this team is young. This team really hasn't played at MSG. You could make the case that if Marquette does play well in the Big East tournament, there could be some really good vibes if they were to be able to be in the East region. Like the region that Jerry Palm has Marquette in, it features the top four seeds are Marquette at four, Virginia at three, Houston at two, and Kansas State at one. That is a dream bracket for Marquette. That is the type of bracket that gets Marquette to the Final Four, right? Uh, Houston Houston could be an issue, right? Houston would be a real issue from an offensive rebounding perspective. But, I mean, Houston just lost the Temple, right? Like, I, I think we have to consider that not only Houston, while... While very good, they have they have a tendency to play with their food every now and again. So something to keep in mind. All right, let's move on to Wisconsin. Wisconsin's a little more varied um, in terms of the brackets. Palm has them as a seven. Now this is pre the Northwestern loss. Playing Kentucky in round one in Denver. That would be a premier CBS game. All the, the, the shots from the 2014-2015 game. Uh, Denver being a great destination for the Badgers, but you also have to combat with the Wildcats, you know, filling up the arena. Um, they would play Texas in round two. Again, a really good draw for Wisconsin. If Wisconsin could draw, if they're going to be a seven and they draw Texas, I think Texas is one of the most vulnerable top seeds just because of Rodney Terry at coach. I, I don't think you can trust Rodney Terry in that spot. I think we've seen Texas struggle a little bit on the road with Terry. So I do wonder if that is going to be an issue. I think getting Tennessee for Wisconsin would be great. I think Arizona would be a disaster as a two seed if they were on the seven line. Houston, also another, I think, working to Wisconsin's advantage at that seven seed. But yeah, playing Kentucky and then getting Texas, Wisconsin could easily find themselves into the Sweet 16, which would be in... It's the Midwest is, what is that again? Kansas City. Oh, I mean, that'd be perfect. I mean, that would be ideal. Um, you might be staring down the barrel of UCLA um, in that Sweet 16, but still, like, that's pretty, pretty fucking set up nice for Wisconsin. The only swear there. That's pretty, that's set up really nice for Wisconsin. Uh, Brackville Dave is his name, not, or Bracket Guy Dave, excuse me. 
Uh, <laughs> he said uh, Wisconsin has a nine playing Auburn um, in Des Moines. So, yes, playing Auburn uh, would be an, an interesting challenge. Auburn, a pretty solid basketball team. Auburn has done really well defensively uh, this year. Um, but I do think that could be a winnable game. They would play Kansas. Now, I have to think Kansas is not going to be a number one seed moving forward. They've lost three straight games. But Des Moines would be an excellent location again for Wisconsin. If they were able to pull off an upset again from the 8-9 line, they would go to New York City and they try to get revenge from the Chris Chioza play. As for the UWM Panthers, one bracket, Jerry Palm has the, the, the Panthers playing UCLA and Sacramento. You do not want to see UCLA. You, you just don't. Like I, I truly have UCLA probably in my Final Four. I will tell you that right now. UCLA, it's going to be really hard for it to convince me to not put UCLA in my Final Four. I, I will just get it get that out there now. Like UCLA is definitely on the Chuck radar. Now, granted, I'm not a great bracket guy. I've, I've never really, really done well there, but we are, we are gonna try with UCLA. And then uh, the other bracket for Milwaukee has them as a 15 seed against Kansas State uh, in Des Moines. Des Moines, nice spot for them. Kansas State, I actually think that would be a, a fine opponent because just there's a lot of guys who haven't been there before. Jerome Tang, their head coach, yes, I know he's won a he won a national championship with Baylor, but still, like he hasn't been in that moment before as a head coach. So, what does he do with the chips are down? I'll be very curious. I I will say I, I'm impressed with Kansas State's resolve. I mean, Kansas State, you know, they play Texas Tech. I'm expecting this massive hangover after the Kansas game, and they win by ten points. So that was really impressive to me. Um, and I still think we have a long way to go. I do think Purdue and Alabama right now are the two best teams in college basketball. Um, I think there there's a chance for that to change. It's scary to think Purdue is one of the best teams in basketball. Uh, Purdue is one of the classic chokers. Can't Is this their year? Is this their Virginia year? I think you have to at least wonder that for for the Purdue Boilermakers. Um, I, again, I really, as I said, I really like UCLA. Um, Tennessee, I can never trust. I mean, Tennessee is about as untrustworthy as Purdue. Houston, I have a little less trust than Xavier. Sean Miller, Sean Miller has done this before where he's been awesome in the regular season and then fallen apart in March. So we'll have to, to monitor. And also Xavier had a dumb loss to uh, DePaul last week. So we'll just have to see. It should be a lot of fun. And hopefully we can keep talking about all three teams in the state of Wisconsin. All right, really quick, like very, very quick because it's 47 minutes in, but I'd be remiss if I didn't do a little bit of Chuck's Corner. Chuck's Corner is just stuff where I just want to bullshit. Um, the stuff that's not as important, stuff that's not sports related, stuff that I feel like uh, makes me feel like I'm not a robot where we're not just doing sports radio for an hour. Uh, so I have a couple things. We'll just call this rapid Chuck's Corner. We'll call this Chuck's Corner on fire, the the fire corner maybe. I don't know. We'll have to figure out a way to do this. I'm going to try to do this in less than five minutes. I don't think I'll be successful. Number one, I had one of my worst hangovers of the last probably four to five months um, on Sunday. Like I stayed out to bar close. Um, I walked home um, from the bar, shot out Nichols, probably like a 15 minute walk. Um, I, and I was prepared. Like, I have my gloves on. Like, I got shit on by some friends earlier for having gloves on me. You always have gloves on you. Couple pro tips here. Good for the young, for younger listeners. I don't know how many younger listeners we have. 
First of all, always bring gloves. Always bring gloves when you go out because you never know when you can't get an Uber or when you have to walk. Gloves make the world go wrong. Keep yourself a little insulated. Get yourself going. You don't bring gloves. You're freezing. You have a fucking cold and there you have it, okay? Lesson number two. I I don't like getting hungover anymore, okay? Like you're like, oh, Charlie, no one likes getting hungover. Back in the day, we could have ourselves a futon day as my guy Eric would call it. We just sit on our ass, hang out all day. You might jerk it a couple times, watch some movies, watch whatever sports are on and then you're good. And then you're, you're just back to normal because you're a 24 year old. You have some shitty fast food, Taco Bell, Culver's, whatever it may be. Can't kind of do that at 34. And you can't do that if you have a kid. I don't have a kid. And I couldn't imagine being as hungover as I was Sunday with a kid. Like I would probably have just done, I would have just ended it. Like I just might've jumped off my retaining wall. Um, that's how bad it was. I will say this. I always try to learn a lesson. After, like, after I'm that hungover, I'm like, all right, like, let's get into the playbook. Like, why was I that hungover? Like, why did I get that violently hungover? And really, it comes down to shots. Like, I took way too many shots for my age. Like, I, I need to keep myself to, like, a three-shot minimum. And, or, like, the same shot. Like, that's the other part. And so maybe that's the bigger issue because it was all different families. Like, I think I did, like, a fireball Definitely did tequila. I didn't do a crown apple, which was given. I gave it to somebody else and then we ran out of shots and I was like, you know what? I don't give a fuck. I'm pretty drunk right now. So I didn't complain about it. And I think we, I did a peanut butter whiskey shot. Like, yeah, it was, the shots were the, the reason why I was hungover. And yeah, I just got to clean that up. Um, so hopefully, hopefully I get better going on. Last, last thing. I saw this on Barstool yesterday. Um, Alex Bennett and Jordan Woodruff hosted Mean Girls Pod. They're really good at creating things that are very divisive in the men's world. And Alex Bennett uh, went on a guy's trip with her husband for his 30th birthday party. I gotta be honest, this is one of the worst moves you can make. Like I just, this is a full on, full ass PSA to everyone, to anyone listening. If you're, especially if you're a guy and you would somehow get invited on a girl's trip, and somehow you would be the one. Even if it's something you really like, something you really would be, you'd love to go to, don't fucking go. It's for their friends, okay? And they should act like they would with their friends. When you have a significant other around, it changes the trip. And you're not like doing anything nefarious, you're not doing anything stupid. But there are certain things you can say around just your guys, and there are certain things you can't say around a significant other. That's just the facts, okay? And people should be allowed to live their independent life. We should be allowed to have time with our friends and not have our significant others with us. Now, do we like to have our significant others together every now and again? Absolutely. Absolutely. Everyone's welcomed, right? But I do think there are those moments where you just want your buds, where you just want your buds. So going on a guy's trip with like, I think it was like five dudes. I think I saw it on Instagram, whatever, is fucking absurd. That's just out of touch, right? And it's also kind of on him too for not putting his foot down and just saying, no, you can't come. Like it's, it's not about you. Like, I don't want, I don't want you there. 
But yeah, man, I just had to get that out there because it was that was absolutely wild to me. I asked my wife the same question. I'm like, hey, like, do you think this is weird? She's like, yeah, it's really weird. And so I'm glad to know I'm not alone. It would go for either side of the house, man. Uh, and I don't think any of us, we just want to have our time with our friends, right? Like, and I, I get it. Like, if it's not a bachelor party, still should have guys trips, right? I, I tried to coordinate one last year and it went up in flames. Uh, not really flames, but it was so weird because I, I wanted like a couple group of guys. It was supposed to be small. And I, I tried to coordinate, I tried to coordinate. And I think I made the circle too small. I always work like it, it's weird because you don't want to like include everybody and boil the ocean and get all these people and all all these groups together and some people don't know each other and it's 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 just a mismatch group, but also you you don't want to keep it so so small that if one or two guys bails the, the whole thing's fucked. So I might try to do it again. I really do want to go to an SEC football game and I'm loosely targeting LSU and Baton Rouge. And I kind of want to get down there. And I've, I've circled some dates. I've thought about some dates. And it's definitely something that, you know, I, I have in, my, I have in my, my peer view. Especially, too, because I have an SEC game on deck the following year. Barring the stays, my guy Dougie invited me already down for Tennessee, Alabama. So I already have that potential in 2024. Now, things could look different, um, you know. Who knows where my wife and I, in terms of uh, having starting a family and things like that, could change the change the conversation just a little bit. But yeah, there uh, might have to uh, might have to try to put that together and then figure out how how I I build the circle and build build the group because I think that's that's going to be crucial for that sort of trip and not not too small but not too big. So we'll we'll just have to see how it all works out. All right. That does it for the podcast. This is a long one. I I went the Chuck's Corner rapid fire. It uh, it it just kept burning. Uh, we kept throwing gas on it. Um, so we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys on Thursday. Uh, we'll have keg jams. Shannon and I. Uh, our music music sports pod that we do every month. Um, we'll add music to the playlist uh, so you can you have that for your speakers. Um, and we'll talk about all the topics. We'll go through it. And then Mitch and I will have to have the keg the next day. So it'll be a guest filled. I'll be back solo on Monday, uh, talking NFC championship, AFC championship. And I'm sure he'll house and caveat. If Aaron Rodgers says anything fucking dumb today, I'll be back tomorrow with a mini keg and we'll do that and just do about a 15 minute, 10 minute thing on that. So, all right, take care of yourself. A great Tuesday. I'm back on Thursday. See ya. Bye.